Hello, I'm Lou Mirando, and welcome to today's reading of USA Today for February 23, 2024. The front page story is titled, Despite Dim Prospects, Gritty Underdog Fights On, by John Bacon. Power outages are an almost daily occurrence across most of Ukraine. Infrastructure has been devastated by the relentless pounding of mortar and rockets. The economy, by most metrics, Europeans weakest before the war has been left in tatters. The adversary, neighboring Russia, has three times the population, double the military budget, and a president thoroughly committed to ending the war only on his own terms. The ally, the United States, has wavered between pledging support for as long as it takes and as long as we can. Two years into its brutal struggle, Ukraine fights on, but some experts warn the future is bleak for the battered nation of more than 40 million people, millions of whom have been displaced inside or outside the country. And there is no end in sight for the wanton destruction of homes, businesses, and schools that began with Russia's invasion on February 24, 2022, and continues unabated today. Russia is playing for the long game, and Ukraine is fighting for its continued existence. Mary-Kate Schneider, Director of Global Studies at Loyola University in Maryland. This is a war of attrition that will not end anytime soon. President Zelensky has pledged to regain all territory seized by Russia, estimated at almost 20% of Ukraine. But the eastern Ukrainian city of Antvia, recently fell to Russian troops, marked the first major advance or retreat by either side in months. Ukraine's weary military remains starved for weapons and ammunition, while the U.S. lawmakers bicker over funding. Stephen Myers, an Air Force veteran who served on the State Department's Advisory Committee on International Economic Policy under two Secretaries of State, warns the Ukraine's military capability has been reduced to tactical pinpricks with little strategy relevance. It is an unqualified geopolitical catastrophe for the West. Ukraine has been destroyed as a viable nation, Myers told USA Today. Depopulated with hundreds of thousands of its precious youth dead and crippled, its industrial and agricultural foundations obliterated. The West and the Biden administration are not giving up. Vice President Harris, in a joint news conference with Zelensky in Munich last week, pledged that she and the president would continue efforts to secure their resources and weapons. Ukraine desperately needs. We will work to make sure Russia pays damages to Ukraine. And ultimately, we want to see Ukraine emerge from this war as a nation that is free, democratic, and independent. Sean McFate, a professor at Syracuse and senior fellow at the nonpartisan Atlantic Council think tank, says Russia is in a position to dig in for years, waiting for the West to lose interest in Ukraine amid economic and other concerns. Ukraine cannot win a war of attrition with Russia. Russia has mostly won. While both sides struggle to gain a battlefield edge, the death toll continues to rise. Neither side has been forthright in revealing casualty counts. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin in a recent Senate presentation estimated that 120,000 Russian soldiers have been killed in action and an additional 200,000 wounded. He estimated 70,000 Ukrainian soldiers have died along with 10 to 40,000 civilians. An additional 100 to 120,000 Ukrainians have been wounded. Vladimir Putin is an evil war criminal. Make no mistakes about it. We all agree on that, Johnson said of the Russian president. Johnson then explained his no vote against the aid bill. The reality that I think a lot of my colleagues are ignoring is that Vladimir Putin will not lose this war. Meyer agrees that the dying will 
continue until the West stops sending money to Ukraine. Russia will never surrender, will never secede uh, Crimea, and will never allow Ukraine to join NATO. Russia has not been immune to the misfortunes of war. The economy has been hobbled by global sanctions. Hopes of quick victory when the war began have disappeared as casualties mounts. And retired U.S. Vice Admiral uh, Murat, Deputy Chief of the Institute for Security Policy, says Ukraine has largely won the Battle of the Black Sea. The Russian Black Sea fleet has been pushed back to the distant waters, and all of their facilities on Crimea and other locations are at risk. Carolina Hurd, an analyst for, an analyst for Washington-based Institute for the Study of War, counsels urgency. Hurd says Russian efforts to cleanse, cleanse occupied Ukraine and make it an occupation permanent are reversible, at least for now. The longer Russia is allowed to occupy Ukraine lands, the harder it will be to reintegrate those into Ukraine, to say nothing of the additional lives lost and irrevocably damaged in the meantime. She wrote in the Institute report published this month, the West must act decisively to help Ukraine, and it must act now. McFaith says Russia will besiege Ukraine until its people eventually give up and elect a new puppet of Moscow. Putin's relentless oppression of domestic dissent has left him with new, few political con- concerns, putting aside squarely on the Russian president's side. I think Zelensky's days are numbered. He had a falling out with his military, overpromised and underdelivered it to the West, and will be blamed by the people it matters deteriorate plus he must be exhausted. Supply lines are crucial if Ukraine can maintain a steady flow of munitions and supplies. Its gritty troops can control and continue to fight. If the flow dries up, Ukraine will be in a very tenuous position. U.S. support will be key to keeping supply chains open, to keeping the troops armed, and to allowing Ukraine to ultimately negotiate from a position of relative strength. The U.S. created this mess, and it is the U.S. that will have to lead the world out of it, Myers said. The next story is titled, The Mystery Runs Deep After a Lake is Born in Death Valley, by Diana Pulver. The puzzling arrival and surprisingly long life of a new lake in Death Valley National Park has captivated park rangers, visitors, and researchers this winter. The temporary lake arrived with rainy remnants of Hurricane Hillary last August. It remains thanks to a series of atmospheric river storms that kept delivering more rain. Its presence has raised questions about the past and its future. For example, could the moisture helping keep the lake arrive prompt a rare wildflower superbloom? How long might the lake remain? What's the connection with El Nino? And could the lake, which has made surprise appearances in the past, return more often in the warming future? Park scenic terraced shorelines that bear testimony to a much wetter past of the driest place in North America. Its newest lake isn't expected to last long enough to leave that kind of geological evidence, but it's still pretty special. It's really beautiful at sunrise and sunset, Letterman said. It's really magical to see the peaks reflected in the lake. What isn't so magical is the damage visitors leave in their wake when they park haphazardly, crush the valley's delicate salt crust when they step off trails or worse, drive off road. Letterman said, the park has been re- reminding visitors to be respectful and stay on existing trails to prevent further damage. No one knows how long the deep impressions left by footprints would remain. No one knows how long the lake will last until the sun bakes away the water. It has already lasted longer than the rangers and others have expected. The lake that arrived after a big rain in December 92 lasted about four months. Groundwater levels remain high in the area because of the high rainfall totals over a large reason. 
This That can't help keep the water table high for a long period of time, though. If an atmospheric river happened in an otherwise dry year, the lake level would drop faster. In recent weeks, the lake has been receding, slowly evaporating, but then the atmospheric river of February 7th through uh, February 7th dumped another one and a half inches of rain over the area. The lake rose again and was nearly a foot deep around Valentine's Day. It wasn't as deep as after the hurricane, however. One of the hottest places on Europe turns out to be a great place to study ancient lakes and climate change over thousands of years. When not uh, said not, who is these researching in the park? When Knott started research in the park in 92, it was no big deal to go out in April and May. I would go out and walk around. It was cool enough. But in the last 10 years, by April 16th, I can't go out anymore. It was way too hot. Summer has started a month earlier, and it extends later than it used to be. October used to be pretty easy, but now it's still hot. It was always the hottest place on Earth, but now it's hotter for a longer period of time. And our weekend review... Outcry follows IVF decision. Panic spread in the in vitro fertilization community this week after the Alabama Supreme Court ruled that IVF embryos are legally protected extra uterine children and advocates feared national impact. The ruling raises questions about whether donors have the right to destroy stored embryos and whether IVF doctors could be liable for homicide for destroying an embryo. An additional estimated 1 million frozen embryos are stored at facilities nationwide. Next, GOP has no room for Haley. Just when many thought Nikki Haley would drop out of the GOP race, she made clear she's not going anywhere. She's brought up her husband, Michael, who's in Africa with the South Carolina National Guard. The same man Donald Trump mocked by saying, where is he? He's gone. But all the maybe Haley stands a chance hopes rest on the belief that there are enough normal Republicans left to elect her. There aren't. Any decent American should respect her and her family for their sacrifice. That's the stuff that used to matter. But in today's Republican Party, it won't. Capital One will acquire Discover Financial Services for $35.3 billion, all stock transaction. The banking company announced this week a mega deal that will create the largest U.S. credit card issuer with about $250 billion in balances, according to investment bank T.D. Cowan. The deal, if approved by regulators, would make Capital One a bigger player in the world of payment networks now dominated by Visa and MasterCard. The deal comes as credit card use and debt are soaring. American balances rose to $1.13 trillion in the fourth quarter of 2023, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York reported. Our next story is out of the money section. Not for everyone, World Cruises offer travelers unique adventure by Nathan Diller. Brandy Lake's home address changes nearly every day. The 46-year-old boarded Royal Caribbean's International Ultimate World Cruise in December and will live on the line Serenade of the Seas for a nine-month journey. Lake, who previously lived in Los Angeles, gave up her apartment and left a job in advertising and marketing to travel full-time, embarking on a 274-night sailing to more than 60 countries alongside her sister and parents. I always tease that I only worked to travel anyway, that I worked to support my travel habit. So to me, it was a no-brainer. Lake, who has already visited 77 countries and lived abroad, decided to set sail and see even more of the world, and her parents gifted the cruise to her and his sister. Videos around the Ultimate World Cruise proliferated on TikTok following its departure from Miami, but it's not the first cruise of its kind. World Cruisers 
offer passengers an easy way to travel the globe, delivering them to far-flung destinations. But there's more to booking those trips than other cruises. Here's what to know. World cruises visit multiple con continents, usually no less than three. The itineraries last between three to five months on average, but can be longer. You're in your room, and that's where you're going to be the whole time, and you're not flying around and packing and unpacking. While at the resort, guests might meet one another in passing, World Cruise pa passengers are on the same itinerary for an extended period, which Kushner said can be such a bonding experience. I mean, I guess it would go, I could go sideways if it was horrible people, but I think people usually find their people. For travelers, who can't or would rather not spend so much time at sea? Many cruise lines also sell segments of those itineraries separately. That allows guests to embark for days and weeks or months at a time and add new faces to the mix. World cruises often take place of, on older ships, particularly on well-maintained lines. I don't think they'd want one of their newest ships out of commission for months. Royal Caribbean's nine-month sailing is its first foray into the category, and the Azamara is currently sailing its first world voyage since becoming an independent cruise line in 2021. Princess Cruises, which operated its first world cruise in 20, 2008, also plans to sail its longest voyage over 116 days in 2025. Kittler attributed this to a rise in remote-friendly jobs like content creation, particularly among younger people. The ability to travel and work from wherever you are has opened up a stronger, younger demographic and also more demand. Over the past 15 years, we have seen increased demand for world cruises, both from retired travelers as well as from working professionals and digital nomads. Due to the advance of improved cell phone connectivity, technology, and onboard internet, most travelers are able to work remotely and better take care of the long voyages. Head of Boeing Max program leaves company. Boeing announced the head of its 737 Max program is leaving the company in a memo to employees that USA Today reviewed. Stan Deal, CEO of Boeing Commercial Airlines, uh, said Ed Clark, who has overseen Max production since 2021, is exiting Boeing immediately. Katie Ringold is exceeding Clark as vice president and general manager of the 737 program. Regulators took a renewed interest in the off-scrutinized Max jet after a January episode during which an Alaskan Airlines door lost a door plug in a compression during a flight. And the next news is Bezos sells $2 billion worth of Amazon stock. Bezos has unloaded another $2 billion worth of Amazon shares, the last in a series of planned stock sales that have netted the former Amazon CEO about $8.5 billion in cash. A regulatory filing released this month revealed Bezos' plan to sell 50 million shares by January 31, 2025. Sales kicked off on February 7th and wrapped up on Tuesday. Bezos, the founder and executive chair of Amazon, still has more than 900 million Amazon shares worth roughly $158 billion. His net worth totals around $191 billion, according to the Bloomberg Billionaires Index. And American Queen Voyages suspends operations. American Queen Voyages has shut down an automated voice message on its customer information hotline said the cruise line has made the difficult decision to suspend operation and all future cruises have been scrapped. Guests and customers should expect to be fully refunded for canceled cruises. The message directed listeners to aqverefunds.com to begin the refund process. 
and said they would find more information at aqvinfo.com. Adams Peaks, president of the Lions owner Hornblower Group, said it plans to sell the company or, if a sale cannot be achieved, its operations will be wound down. Next story is jetliners give airliners burst of speed. Some passengers aboard international flights arrived at their donations earlier than expected over the weekend, but it took their planes traveling at 800 miles per hour to do so. Commercial flights typically travel between 480 to 575 miles per hour speeds, according to Flexair Flight School. But in a post, he said that the planes reached higher speeds because they had a good push from nearly a 200-mile-per-hour jet stream. The planes endured peak winds of around 265 miles per hour, the second-strongest upper-level wind recorded in local history going back in the 20th century. Now let's move to sports. Six winning teams still face uphill battles. Less than two months of the NBA's regular season remains. The season, two-thirds over, each team has fewer than 30 games left. Every game takes on board of real importance. Missteps are more painful. Victories are necessary. The intensity increases. The race is on. Except for maybe the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, the Boston Celtics have a six-game advantage over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Playoff positions are for grabs. The top seed in the West is undetermined, but four teams are in position to get it, and some teams are competing for their playoff lives, including the Los Angeles Lakers and the Miami Heat, who had deep playoff runs last season. Let's take a look at six teams that take the most work to do it in the final six, seven weeks of this regular season. Los Angeles Lakers, who are 30-26. and 26. The Lakers reached the finals last season, and after what looked like an, a solid offseason, they're probably locked in a play play-in game situation with no guarantee in making the playoffs unless they have a stronger than anticipated finish. They're in ninth place, four games ahead of the 11th place Utah, and three and a half behind Phoenix. Milwaukee Bucks are 35-21. and 21. The Beck Bucks are in a turmoil, play, re, replacing their coach before the All-Star break and entering its losing seven of, seven of ten games, including the final two. They are in third in the East, eight and a half behind Boston. The Miami Heat are 30-25. and 25. The Heat reached the finals last season, and yes, they lost the players Max Starris and Gabe Vinson in the offseason, but there was some thought that they could be among the best teams in the East even this year. That's not the case. The seventh place with room to rise and fall, there is some belief that the Heat will show up when they have to and make a serious playoff push, and that is possible with Jimmy Butler and Bam Albrio playing the uh, and Eric Sopressa coaching. The New York Knicks are 33-22. and 22. The Knicks have all-stars Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, and they had what the experts consider a strong trade deadline, acquiring O.G. Unrumbi and Bogan Voganovic and Alex Burks. With injuries to Philadelphia's Joel Imbrid and Milwaukee struggles, the East is open after Boston. Minnesota Timberwolves are 39-16. and 16. The Timberwolves are in first place in the West, but they could have work to do because of the teams within striking distance. Oklahoma City, the Los Angeles Clippers, and Denver are within three games of the Timberwolves who are led by Anthony Edwards. He has played in just 11 playoff games and is 0-2 in playoff games. Golden State Warriors are 27-26. and 26. 
The Warriors won the title in 2022 and lost in the second round of the Lakers in 2023 and decided to run it back, perhaps for the first time, with Steve Curry and Clay Thompson and Raymond Green in the 2023-24 season. Do the Warriors and their massive payroll have another run left? They got hot just before the All-Star break, winning 9 of 13 games, including 5 in the last 6. This leaves them in 10th place, one and a half games behind the Lakers, but a friendly schedule gives the Warriors a chance to continue their momentum. Moving on to baseball. A-plus for the Doctors in their win in the winter by Bob Nightingale and Gabe Blackett's. Major League Baseball's offseason never really ends, so score some of what you are about to read incomplete. With a handful of relatively premier free agents still available, baseball's silly season will run up against March, but it's never too soon to assess who scored best in their offseason. In the American League East, Baltimore Orioles A-, minus, landing Corbin Burns, the winter's best pitching trade ship, without giving up their vaulted group of 100 prospects, was a huge coup for general manager Mike Ellis. Whether Craig Grimble can have a better October than he did in 2003 is to be determined. Boston Red Sox got a D. Rafael Devers was right to pop off. Boston's done virtually nothing, although it's total lack of appeal to at least three agents like Yoshiguro Yamamoto has been five years in the making. New York Yankees, B+. The A-plus really given what they were working with, but acquiring Juan Soto was going to require weakening some of New York's pitching depth, backfilling with Marcus Stoneham is adequate. Tampa Bay Rays is a B. Perhaps the trade of Tyler Glasnow was inevitable, and if so, Ryan Pernot is a promise, if not spectacular, arm to work with. When Johnny DeLuca replaces Manuel Margot's outfield death. Toronto Blue Jays is a C. While gnashing on appetizers without ever grading to the main course, just a mild amalgam of utility infield designator hitter types from Isaiah Kinner Elfler and Justin Turner to Eduardo Escobar and Daniel Fogelbach on minor league detail deals. The AL Central, Chicago White Sox C minus, about what one would expect from a club nowhere near contention. And although Mike Zorka and Corey Kemble are interesting reclamation re- reclamation projects who could bring fruit to the deadline. Cleveland Guardians, C. Austin Hedges is back, baby. Detroit Tigers is a C-. minus. An intriguing team in a winnable division could have seemingly used an interjection of Matt Chapman or J.D. Martinez. The rotation added veteran Eve's innings with Kanta Amida and Jack Flaherty. Kansas City Royals are a B. Bobby Witt's extension ensures him lifelong witches, riches and also the role of silent ambassadors of the Royals attempts to jam a stadium downtown. Michael Wacha and Seth Logo bring their mild rotation talents from San Diego. Minnesota Twins is a C. Admittedly hamstrung they're on their local TV deals, the Twins were hapless to retain Sonny Gray, Kenta Maida, Tyler May, and Emilio Pagan. Starter Anthony DiScafino and D.H. Carlos Santana are the cavalry hoping to keep the division flag in the Twin Cities. The American League West, Astros B-, a fairly out-of-character $95 million commitment to Josh Hadler, shook up the bullpen. Los Angeles Angels, a D. 
Perhaps owner Artie Moreno will get antsy and throw a ton of money at Blake Snell, though it probably doesn't matter either way. Shoshone Otani is gone, and that the Angels have virtually no chance to retain him is an indictment of years of dysfunction. Oakland Athletics, F. They can't add viable players because their stadium is years from being built, but we don't know what the stadium will look like or where they'll be playing for the next three years or if anyone in Las Vegas has heard of Alex Wood. Seattle Mariners, A-, minus, snagging Luke Rayleigh from a Tampa club nicely for a shortstop was nice. Adding Mitch Higgler and Dave Gardner could also help the offense. Texas Rangers, B-. minus. An interesting choice to add Tyler Mayle off of Tommy John surgery, even that Jacob DeGroyme and Bax Schutzer both will miss much of their first half. The lineup remains nearly perfect. Nathan Bavardi needs to play healthy all year. Now let's move to some state-by-state. State. The uh, Hartford, Connecticut, a Connecticut state trooper who killed a 19-year-old man while firing seven gunshots into a stopped car in 2020 is, to set, is set to stand trial for manslaughter. Out of Brewster, Massachusetts, as Brewster moves closer to deciding the future of the former Seacamp properties, it has officially found a partner in the Massachusetts Audubon Society, the conservation nonprofit based in Lincoln, announced it will contribute $3.5 million toward efforts to conserve and enhance the one-time day and overnight camps. And out of Charlestown, New, uh, Rhode Island, a young harbor seal released into the cold Crashing waves off Blue Shutters Beach may help researchers understand whether great white sharks will hang around Rhode Island waters. Rehabitated in Connecticut, Scallet is the first seal released in Rhode Island waters, featuring both a satellite tag and an acoustic tag, researchers said. The satellite tag will enable researchers to track the movements when she is swimming at the surface and has pulled herself onto the beach and the acoustic tag will let them track her underwater, according to the Institute. And out of Stowe, Vermont, a skier who was reported missing in Stowe Mountain Resort was found dead in a wooded, out-of-bounds area. Out of Dover, New Hampshire, the body of late Marine Captain Jack Casey, who died in a helicopter crash with other Marines, arrived home in New Hampshire. He was transported in a procession from Pease Air National Guard Base to a funeral home in Dover, his hometown. And out of Augusta, Maine, Maine would be become the 27th state to ban paramilitary training under a bill the House narrowly passed. Out of Albany, New York, drug driving arrests connected to marijuana have declined in the past three years since New York's cannabis legalization in 2021 as questions linger about efforts to keep stone drivers off the roads. Out of East Rutherford, New Jersey, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency has removed a portion of the Universal Oils product Superfund site in East Rutherford from its list of priority cleanup areas. The the listed area, known as Area 2, spans 17 acres as an undergone extensive soil and groundwater cleanup to safeguard public health and the environment, said EPA Regional Administration official Lisa Garcia. And out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the city of Pittsburgh did not adequately maintain or repair a bridge and failed to act on inspection reports, leading to the corrosion of the structure's steel legs and its collapse into the ravine, federal investigators said. Well, that's it for today's reading of USA Today. I've been reading from the February 23, 2024 issue. If you have any questions about the articles I've read, call the Chris Listener line at 860 727 
9579. I'm Lou Mirando, and so long until next time.